Holly G with the Golf Insiders. Today's segment for your game is um, one I think you want to listen very closely to because I've got a very special guest today. He is the Scotty Cameron of the wedge business. He has over 30 years experience in designing the best wedges in our business. And if you don't think replacing those wedges in your bag are the most important thing you could consider, I'm going to tell you that after you listen to this today, you're going to change your mind. He's also known as the Wedge Guy on the very popular equipment blog, Golf WRX. It's a pleasure to have Terry Kaler, the Chairman and Chief Innovation Officer of Edison Golf Wedges, on the show today. Hi, Terry. Hi, Holly. That was a very flattering introduction. Thank you. Well, you know, your resume is so long, we take up half the show. But, um, you know, you, you, you know, we were having a little conversation before uh, we started recording about, you know, how the, the brains behind golf equipment, a.k.a. the club designers like yourself, have really come into their own over the last, you know, couple of decades. And um, where, you know, your names have become synonymous with your uh, club design. And, um, you know, you're someone that believes that wedges are something that have trailed behind um, the rest of club design. And I'm looking forward to uh, hearing, um, you know, your opinion on that. Well, I'm you know, as you mentioned in my intro, again, very flattered, but I've spent 30 years really focused on this category. And, you know, I've, I've drifted away. I've done some really nice iron designs. I did uh, actually over 100 putter designs. You mentioned Scotty Cameron, and I met Scotty way early in his golf industry career before everybody knew who he was. He's done a phenomenal job of, of becoming synonymous with high-end putters. And, um, but I designed putters back in the 80s, and, and then I just got fixated on, on wedges because I felt like, personally, that was an area of my game that I had frustrations with, which is kind of how I got into putters, too. Um, but I just looked at, at putters in, in 1990, um, and, and I looked at, at wedges as, you know, wedges, my 1990 wedges look just like my 1980 wedges and my 1970 wedges. It's like, why are these not changing? And Again, if I go back to that time period, Holly, we had seen, you know, the the standard putters go from bullseyes and 8802s to the ping answer and then zebra mallets and, um, you know, we saw that kind of thing. We big saw Callaway, our, Big Bertha. Yeah, we saw Big Bertha come out. You know, TaylorMade, of course, took us totally out of, out of persimmon. They led that, um, which I was still a persimmon user in 1990. Um, and then Big Martha took us to, to oversized, and, and that trend continued. But And even since 1990, I'm still looking in 2000 when I started uh, in the Eidolon Golf. In 2010, when I started score golf, I kept looking at wedges just aren't changing, and it just totaled me. Why are wedges 
are, are the simplest pumps in our bag, but the least evolved. And I just said, you know, this is crazy because I'm, I'm watching recreational golfers and collecting information through wedge fitting profiles by, by this time. That golfers have the same problems. You know, the ball flight is too high. They don't get consistent distance. They don't get consistent spin. And I said, these things are fixable, but you have to change the golf club. You can't change performance dramatically by tweaking the grooves or tweaking the bounce. You have to, no more than, than Big Bertha didn't tweak Taylor Major preferred. Big Bertha threw it out the window and started over. And Ping Answer didn't tweak an 8802. It threw it out the window and started over. So I think this is, is something you have to be willing to do. Big companies maybe aren't as eager to just throw things out the window and, and declare an end of an era and the start of a new one. So uh, we innovators, we get to do those kind of things. It's fun. Well, we know that golfers are getting better and equipment technology is the reason. However, I think you pointed to something. Um, you know, I think uh, the average golfer perhaps has gotten a little resigned about their short game and their wedges, thinking, you know, that that equipment isn't designed for me. Uh, you know, it's designed for the tour player. And you think that's an accurate observation. Well, I think it's, it's very accurate, Holly. I mean, if, if, if you look at our industry statistics, and you know this business very well, less than 2 to 3% of golfers think they're good enough to play a pure muscle-back forged blade. We just don't see those. I mean, all the companies have one, but that's a tiny percentage of their sales. But because golfers don't think they're good enough to play them. And yet 95% of all golfers are playing a tour wedge, you know, from one of the top brands that, you know, that, that was, was designed with tour players, was, was refined with tour players. And I know from, uh, well, I'm a big fan of testing. I'm a big fan of putting golf clubs on the Iron Byron Swing Robot to isolate the club from the golfer and say, what does that golf club do? And it would be a shock to your listeners to, to see the data that a, a pure muscle-back tour blade, nine iron and pitching wedge, and that doesn't matter what brand. You can take Callaway, Thibos, Mizuno, it doesn't matter. But you take a pure muscle-back pitching wedge and it is miles more forgiving than that, that wedge that's in your bag, that 46, 48, 50, 54 degree, 58 degree wedge. Wedges are extremely volatile in where impact is made on the face as to what kind of energy transfer goes to the ball. And, and that has driven me for 20 years or more, how do I equalize that, what we call smash factor, so that that shot, that maddening shot that hit that you hit high on the face. You know it. Every reader knows it. Ball's perched up a little bit. You feel the ball high on the face. It's got a very hollow kind of feel to it. And you know before you even look up, it's going to be high and short. You just know that. Hate that. Yeah. Hate when it, that it, happens. Everybody hates it. It happens to tour players, too. I mean, you can't be good enough at any level to hit it dead perfect every time. Now, they're better than all of us by miles, as you know. But you still see it on TV. Oh, and we saw. They'll go in close. They'll say, oh, you can see he hit it high on the face. And when you do that with the wedge, the ball doesn't go anywhere. We saw a my lot of driving, that at Wingfoot, didn't we? Exactly. And my driving question is, why is that acceptable in our wedges when I don't accept it in my 8-iron? I don't accept it in my driver. I don't even accept a miss hit in my putter anymore with these 
big spaceship mallets and started with the being answer. It was designed to improve your mishits, and yet nobody has ever built wedges designed to make your bad ones nearly as good as your good ones. And that's kind of my driving thing. I don't care about tour players. I like that 8, 10, 12, 20 handicapper. I'm out there trying to help this guy or lady. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one of the things you've done is you've uh, spread the distribution of the mass across the back of the club. Can you share more about that? Yeah, when you look at wedges, Holly, when you look at wedges, go into the retail store and, and look past the graphics and look at where the mass is. A wedge is a single piece of molded material most of the time. It can be cast, it can be forged, but it's a single piece of steel. And the weight is all on the bottom, and the top two-thirds are very thin. So when you hit that shot a little above center, there's no meat behind it. There's no mass there. Likewise, when you hit one real low in the face, we've all heard the thin to wind. When you hit it down there where the mass is, you get a more penetrating ball flight and more spin and more distance. But, but the volatility of up and down an inch of that wedge face is, is massive. It's 15, 18, 20% variance in what we call smash factor, which is the efficiency of the energy transfer from club speed to ball speed. So if you think about wedges, every shot you hit is somewhat of a glancing blow because this thing has got 50 or 55, 60 degrees of loft on it. So by nature, it's a glancing blow. And it is much more important to get mass up in the top of that golf club. And I've tweaked around on wedges for 30 years when I came out of retirement to do, I'm going to do one more wedge design and I'm going to start one more effort, one more company. And I said, but I am going to throw away everything I've ever done. I'm going to learn from everything I've ever done. But I am going to completely redesign the back of the golf club to make the front work better. I mean, it really is that simple. Well, you know, I think we all became um, more educated on the wedge game thanks to a certain guy named Lefty. Phil Mickelson, who just, you know, makes the wedge game look like he's baking a cake, Terry. And, you know, the introduction of, you know, these crazy lofts that, you know, Phil, who was probably considered the mad scientist before Mr. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau. And then, you know, most of us grew up playing a couple of wedges in our bags, and suddenly, you know, it became the thing to carry three then four, do you carry a gap, a lob? You know, break that down for our listeners. Well, I think you have to go into a little bit of golf, golf bag history to do that. So if I might indulge you for a minute or you'll indulge me. So Gene Saracen is credited with inventing the sand wedge back in the late 30s. And he welded this big flange on the bottom of a niblick so you could splash the ball out of the bunker. And it revolutionized bunker play because until then, bunkers were severely penal in Bobby Jones era, Walter Hagen, up Sarah's and those guys up through the, you know, to the 1930s. Bunkers were penal. I mean, you did not want to get in a bunker. That was a nasty place to be, as nearly bad as a water hazard. And Saracen has this idea, welds all this material on the bottom of a niblet, and you could splash them all out of the bunker. So fast forward from there, it changed bunker play. Fast forward there to Ben Hogan's book in 1949, and he published his yardages. Now, granted, technologies involved, everything were different, but he said, the, he wrote in that book that 
around the greens on certain shots, a sand wedge can be a very valuable tool, even if you're not in the bunker. And he explained that a little bit. In his yardage chart, he said the maximum distance for a sand wedge was 40 yards. Now, this is a man at the same chart said the maximum distance of the driver is 300 yards. This is 1949. Ben Hogan said 300 max on the driver. Okay, that's pretty serious. Yep. But a, but a sand wedge only 40. Holly, we know 10-year-olds that hit sand wedges 60 and 70 yards now because yep. we've turned it into a full swing golf club. What Ben Hogan knew then was this is not really a full swing golf club because it's so volatile with that impact point. And when you only hit it 40 yards, that volatility is less pronounced than it is at full swing speed. So then, well, at that time, bear in mind, pitching wedges were 51, 52 degrees aloft. So you could pitch the ball, you could do a lot with a pitching wedge. I mean, I grew up on a little nine-hole golf course, and I didn't own, we didn't have any bunkers. I didn't own a sand wedge until I was 20. And I was playing scratch golf, but we pitched with pitching wedges because they were 51, 52 degrees aloft. And you learn how to do all kinds of things with it. And yeah, lay it, had, lay it open and, you know, cut yeah, under you can it. Do all and, kind of and so if you, if, so the sand wedge kind of developed its modern form in, say, the 70s. The Wilson Dynapower was a very popular wedge. In fact, that's where, if I'm not mistaken, the early Cleveland wedges, when Roger got into it, expanded from Persimmon Woods, was, you know, the tour guys were all looking for these old Wilson Dynapowers that weren't worn out. And so that was the influence, if I'm not mistaken, of his first wedges. But if you go back and look at wedges of the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, even into today, you know, they basically are the same golf club all the way from the bottom, and the top two-thirds is very thin. So they're very finicky about which groove you hit the ball on, um, as a, and it's, they're just very penalizing. And so golfers have resigned themselves to the fact that new wedges kind of don't improve my wedge game. Because basically, I just, and I'm kind of cynical here, but I substituted one set of graphics for another. I got the same golf club out of it. Yeah, and, you know, if you look through, it was interesting. I, I took a little peek at the Golf Digest hot list. Uh, you know, the big brands, you, as you might expect, Callaway, Cleveland, Ping, TaylorMade, and, of course, Titleist, Volky Wedges, all, you know, uh, loud and proud there. Uh, but I agree with you. Uh, as a you know, as a Joe average golfer, I'm sitting here going, okay, uh, really, you know, where where is the difference? How does that how's that going to help my game? And then you know, if we can talk about uh, wedges for dummies here, right? We're talking sole grinds, bounce, grooves. I mean, you know, it gets pretty darn confusing. Well, it does, and, and if you look at the wedge dialogue over the last 10 or 15 years, you would think there's nothing more to wedges than grooves and grinds, and, and that's all anybody talks about. Well, the reality of it is the USGA changed the rule on grooves in 2010, 10 years ago. So the only thing that's changed in grooves is our machining techniques have let us push that, that limit a little tighter, but, but we were machining grooves. I introduced CNC milled grooves in Idlewild in 2003, one of the major brands um, who we all know who introduced their, their version of milled grooves uh, in 2006. But I, I did it in Idlewild in 2003. 
up until then, Groves were either cast in place or, or they were uh, stamped into a forging. But you can get more precise grooves by machining. But the machining techniques, the tools, and all that have changed, but the USGA has not changed the rules. So all we're, we've been able to do is creep a little closer to that, that boundary the USGA sets because of our machining methodologies. But when we test one groove against another, for most golfers, um, you can't see one, two percent maybe spin improvement from one groove to another. You need grooves on the face of the club primarily to channel moisture and material away, just like the tread on your tires. And you need grooves on the club to increase what we call the coefficient of friction on the short shots around the green. That ball needs to have good friction on the face. But if you stay within the rules of golf, the, the, the functional difference between one company's grooves and another's, I personally don't think are very, from my observation of robotic testing, it's not big. It's not a big difference. It's not like the driver that's 10 yards further by any means. Um, and, and most of them don't even, they talk about their grooves, but they don't quantify and say you're going to get this much more spin if you if you notice. But spin is a, is a combination of, of, of the club head design. Um, and I'll take a breath here, but it, I'll tell you about how drivers and wedges are very close to the same thing in, in performance. Let me take a let me take a sip of water. Well, you, you know, I was I was going to ask that question next because you you mentioned earlier something that I certainly don't hear many people talking about when it comes to wedge design, and that's the smash factor. Oh my God, it's become the buzzword you know, with your driving performance. And, uh, you know, uh, Tiger made it cool by starting to call it his, you know, trage or whatever the heck he says. Uh, you know, but, but you speak a lot about this. And, you know, the bottom line is that, you know, smash factor is the club head speed and the ball speed and striking the ball on the center of the face. And, you know, that would seem very important with your wedges. Well, the biggest thing, the biggest important feature of your wedge play is your distance consistency. If, you, if you're a 105-yard gap wedge player or a 90-yard gap, gap wedge player or a 130-yard gap wedge player, what you want to know is most of my gap wedge shots are going to go that far. If I hit it a little on the toe, a little low, a little high, a little in the heel, I want it to go 105 yards. I'm an, I'm an amateur golfer. I'm a recreational player. I don't hit it exactly perfect every time. So, you know, I, I hit my gap wedge four times today, and one time was off of a tight fairway lie. One time it was kind of perched up in the rough. One time it was sitting on hard pants, and the other time was kind of a little fluffier fairway lie. It's going to be very hard for me to make contact exactly the same point on the golf club every time, but there were still four gap wedge shots of 105 yards, and I expected them to go 105, but the one that was sitting up in the rough popped up, and it, it went to the front bunker. The one on the tight fairway was a little bit of a heater, and it went 12 feet long and left me a downhill putt. That's, what, that's the game we play, and what you want out of any golf club which if you think about our irons, our hybrids, our drivers, we've chased forgiveness. All forgiveness means is consistency of smash factor or actually the, 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 the containment of smash factor deterioration. Every golf club has one perfect point of impact that smash factor is optimized. 
the, the, the clarity and in, in the uh, of one club versus another is what can I get away with? I miss it a half inch toward the toe or a half inch high in the base or a half inch low, a half inch toward the heel. And this driver lets me get away with it better than that one. Or this five iron lets me get away with it better than that one. And nobody talks about that in wedges. And I want you to get away with that wedge shot that you hit a little high in the face or a little on the toe. I want you to get the same ball flight as close as I can give you, same distance, same spin rates, so that, hey, I hit it a little on the toe and it's 12 feet right of the hole, but it still stopped nice for me and it flew the right distance up pin high. And if you play the game pin high, it really, this game is, is a lot easier than if you're playing it long and short all day. That's right, because, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, you putt for dough, but, uh, you know, to me, you wedge it to win because, you you know, the closer you are to the hole, the easier it is to sink those putts. Exactly, and, you know, back to my driver reference, if we look at the driver guys chase distance and they build in forgiveness, but they're chasing distance, and that's what sells drivers, right? Everybody likes the long ball. And they do that now by putting carbon fiber crowns on the top of the golf club. The secret of distance they've learned is high launch, low spin. That's what makes drivers go far, and they're moving that into irons now, which I think they're overdoing it because I don't want high launch, low spin in my 8, 9, and pitch. I want penetrating launch and high spin. Those are scoring clubs, but enough of that. But if you look at how the driver guys give you high launch, low spin, they are moving all the way to the bottom of the golf club as much as they can with very thin titanium crowns or carbon fiber crowns. And if I get the weight low in the golf club, it launches high with minimal spin. Well, where's the weight on your wedge? It's low in the golf club. Plus you add 50 to 60 degrees of loft. It's going to go high. And all of that weight in the bottom really compromises your spin. I still don't meet the recreational player who says I spin the ball too much. Uh, quite to the contrary, recreational players are trying to figure out how to spin their arms and wedges more. And what we said is you can't do that with grooves. You have to do that with the club head design. So back to your to the weight question, Holly, what we did is we stripped the wedge all the way down to the face. you got to have a striking face. But how you distribute the weight behind that face needs to be completely overhauled from what we've seen and played for 50 years. And the Edison wedge doesn't look like anybody else's wedge in the back because it doesn't work like anybody else's wedge. It launches the ball in a more penetrating manner. It launches the ball with measurably more spin. And that high face hit, the toe hit, they get almost the same smash factor as the center hit. And that's, that's what we tried to do is bring distance consistency and ball flight consistency to recreational players. And, you know, Scotty Cameron and Roger Cleveland and Marindale, these guys are masters working with tour players. I mean, tour players, and, and they can feel things. And if you talk about Bill Mickelson, the, the worst short game on the PGA Tour is better than the best short game you've ever seen at a country club level. Because you can't play professional golf without a great short game. And they spend thousands of hours learning all the different shots how to make it do all these things. You're not going to get there as a weekend player or twice a week, three times a week player, unless you also go spend 8, 10, 12, 20 hours a week with your wedges in your hands, hitting all the little different shots from all the different lines. And, you know, PGA Tour players hit 12 greens around and shoot two and three under par. And, you know, good amateur players hit 10 greens around and shoot 82. You know, so... Um, I used to, Terry, play with a guy 
pretty good golfer, but oh my God, um, he was a mess every time he put a, a wedge in his hand. He said, my wedge game is like an elephant's butt, high and stinky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing about the golf club is it, we're, we're given these golf clubs, the other part of the wedge that nobody talks about is shafts. Every wedge in the retail store, with very few exceptions, has a heavy, stiff steel shaft in it. But 70 80% of amateur golfers are now playing lighter steel, graphite, softer flexes, and there's a huge, what I call a disconnect there. I, I want to give you a seamless transition and feel and balance from your short irons into your wedges so that you can put that same swing on them. And, and I believe that if you think about the tour players, they're all a bunch of gym rats now. They're brutally strong in the forms of hands. Well, if, if that tour player can take a, a wedge with an S400 shaft in it that weighs 130 grams, and they can manipulate that club to hit all these shots, you don't have their hand strength. So at the very least, your wedge needs to be 10 to 15 grams lighter than that so that it's more of a matchup to your hand strength than your form strength. That's how you manipulate it to all those little shots. And you know, we do a lot of wedges in graphite. We do a lot of wedges in light steel. And golfers rave about them because we can preserve the shot trajectory performance and the field, but I'm going to give you a little more mastery around the greens because I'm putting in more weight-balanced club to your strength profile, and I'm not weight-balancing that club to a tour player strength profile. Well, mastery, that's, uh, that's what we all could use, a little bit more wedge mastery. And, Terry, a couple of things here I want to let my listeners know is that uh, you actually provide a wedge-fitting system as part of uh, Edison Forged Wedges. And here's something that is the coolest, a 60-day performance guarantee on every wedge you sell. You'll take them back if the customer's not 100% happy. How You can't lose, and how do my listeners find out more about Edison Wedges? And uh, hey, I'm going to tell you, I've tried them. I highly recommend if you haven't bought a new club or a new wedge, you need to go to uh, Terry's website right now. So we're at edisonwedges.com. Uh, like that's where you can see the whole story about what we did. We're very transparent. Here's what we did. Uh, here's how we designed our golf club. Here's what it's going to do for you. you know, and everybody's going to get a little different results. We know what robotic testing says. They're going to launch them all lower for you. They're going to put significantly more spin, and you're going to get away with those mishits. That's the three things that we're trying to do. And we have this module called Wedge Fit, which takes you about three minutes. It takes you through an exercise so we can learn about you and your game, your skill level, your strengths and weaknesses, what kind of irons you're playing, what kind of shafts, you know, and link to lie spec so that we can then recommend the right Edison wedges to round out your set. And, and, and we, we sell a lot of a full sets of wedges because, you know, you don't go out and buy an eight iron and then a couple of weeks later pick up a five and, you know, your wedges are a set within a set. These are your money clubs, and they need to be, you know, tuned to each other. They need to be blended to your irons so that you have this, what I call a seamless transition. And wedge fit helps us help you get there. And then our guys are standing by to talk to you on the phone. You ask questions. Uh, 
you know, we got some really good people on the phone that really know wedges. I've worked with these people for years, and, and they understand what we're trying to do and, and how that can help you as former golf professionals or current golf professionals. And we're out there to help people score better. And, you know, people are, have kind of given up on buying wedges. If you look at it categorically, uh, people are replacing drivers about five times more often than wedges, and drivers don't wear out. Um, but people have given up on buying wedges. I've talked to so many that have told me, hey, I'm just a bad wedge player. Well, why do you say that? Well, I've tried this brand and this brand and this brand, and I just, I'm just bad. Well, you play the same golf club with different sets of graphics. Look at the club. That where the weight is distributed has not changed through those two or three wedges. Try something entirely different. And we believe you'll you'll find after two or three rounds that that you're going to get away with shots. Your best shots are always going to be good. I mean, we all hit that perfect drive, perfect five iron, eight iron, perfect putt. But it's the ones that aren't so perfect that really determine our day. And our goal is very simply to make your not-so-good wedge shots be a lot more like your best ones. And, and if we can do that for you, you're going to see that. And, you know, if you play two or three, four rounds of golf, you're going to see it. You're, you're going to see shots and go, wow, I got away with that one. And that's what we want. We want you to get away with some things. So it sounds pretty simple to me, Terry. You want a better wedge game? Play better wedges. And Edison Forged wedges are a better designed wedge. Pure and simple, as you like to say it, Terry. Yeah. Really appreciate your time. And once again, what's that website? It's edisonwedges.com. And uh, the whole story is there, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, have some of your listeners come in and see what we're doing, and uh, and it'll make sense. I, you know, it's all about distance control, and that's all about you know making the golf club as forgiving as possible, and that's what we've done. Well, we look forward to uh, following up and uh, having another uh, talk with you real soon, Terry. Okay, well, thanks, Holly. Terry Kaler, the chairman and chief innovation officer of Edison. Forged Wedges, edisonwedges.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ollie.